Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, listeners. What's been on my mind lately is our relationship with pain. Pain, certainly, to philosophers, to theologians, to quite a number of people, has been a very fascinating and very difficult topic. Some of my favorite books on pain explore it philosophically for sure, such as C.S. Lewis, but even better than that is a certain book called uh, Where is God When It Hurts? I can't remember the author, but what really made the book incredible is that it took pain from the perspective of experiences, people's stories, rather than simply trying to talk through it, think through it, philosophize. It simply took people's stories and observed them in some cases where it was the least believed, and I would believe it, that people were healed of their ailments and others where people weren't. And by taking a specific look at diseases such as leprosy or uh, neurological disorders that eliminate our capacity to feel pain, it showed the fact that, or at least argued the fact, that pain is in fact something that we must endure. Something that if we don't have, we're lost. People who go through disorders such as the neurological disorder, it's a long, complex name that I can't remember, usually don't have a very long life expectancy. Why? Because when their bodies are not giving them the signals of pain, they don't know if they're bleeding, if they were missing a finger, if, unless they look at it, of course. If you think, if think that through, you realize very quickly why people who don't experience pain may die very quickly simply from infection. They don't notice the cut or whatever, they don't bandage it, they don't use any disinfectant, and they get infected and die. And they don't even, probably don't even feel the pain from the infection, because they don't feel any pain. But nevertheless, the philosophical difficulty of pain comes in almost at that very moment. When I argued, when I just argued the fact that we don't do do very well with pain, the question immediately arises in our minds, if I mistake not, why then do we have to endure pain in the first place? Why not simply exist in a universe where it is not necessary, where we don't get hurt in the first place? And of course, there's not just the issue of physical pain, there's the issue of emotional pain. How do we deal with that? Why should we have to go through that? And one of the first philosophical issues that arises, and one that C.S. Lewis dealt with, when we really contemplate the problem of pain, as Lewis's own book was entitled, is, is pain evil? Is pain something that we would have if it were not for, in, in the uh, Christian sense, sin? Would pain exist at all if there was not Satan, if there was not moral evil in general? If the world was a perfect place, would it be a place where pain was even possible? Is that a question that we can even answer? 
course, I don't think it's a question that we can answer, but it is certainly something that we can theorize about. But back to the main question, is pain evil? Now, personally, having done a great deal of uh, learning in theology and particularly in philosophy, I see no reason whatsoever to believe that any kind of pain is evil in itself. However, it's very often linked closely with evil. Both physical and emotional, emotional pain result often, although physical pain less often, from something evil having occurred. So while the link can often be very close, I think Lewis had a good point when he called it distilled evil. But I think even better would be to call pain merely a, a signal. I've often said to friends and family that pain is more like a signpost. And I mean that about pain in every sort. Pain merely shows you a direction to something. If, for example, you are feeling happiness because something occurred, it's not merely because something good occurred. It's because something beneficial to a thing that you care about happened. In other words, something that you like, something that you have an investment in as an individual, you are emotionally invested in that thing, something beneficial happened to that circumstance or person or company or whatever, so you feel happy, of course, because you have a vested interest in that thing. In the same way, if you are feeling sad, it is probably because, probably because something detrimental happened to a thing or person or whatever that you care about. We grieve because people we love, people we are bonded to, perish. Or perhaps an animal. Sometimes even a thing. I've known it myself. I've been closely bonded to things that I care about, and it's just an object, but the losing it was actually kind of troublesome to me. Not greatly, but a little bit. I feel no shame in admitting the fact. I think that happens to a lot of us, especially as children. But anyway, I'm spinning off a little bit here. Pain in itself is not evil. In other words, pain cannot intend moral evil, pain cannot be corrupt, pain cannot hate its object. Pain occurs, pain happens. Pain is a response or a signal. Pain is nerve endings sending a signal to the brain. Emotional pain is a reaction to something we care about one way or the other. Well, not one way or the other in this case, in one particular direction. Emotional responses that we have in, in a negative sense or an uncomfortable sense. Sorrow, grief, anger, rage. These are uncomfortable emotions. Most of us don't want to have them unless we've grown up in a very tilted or uh, corrupt environment. So we would call them bad emotions or we would call them uncomfortable emotions. Now, one of the issues that I see very quickly with pain. Um, maybe I'll get to that point a little bit later. First, I wanted to talk about, or first I want to talk about as I'm thinking this through, that I think there are three levels of our relationship with pain. And I think that those different levels describe the level of maturity that a human being has achieved. Now, the first level is the avoidance of physical pain. 
Now, any person can be at essentially any age, but this is expected when you are, you know, an infant and a toddler. But they can still be at this level even in their elder years. And if somebody is at this level, my response is, congratulations, you have risen to the level of a mammal. See, a person who is avoiding any kind of physical pain is really just doing the same thing as a dog or a cat or perhaps a gopher or a squirrel. In other words, the signals of physical pain that come into the organism are something that they try to avoid at all possible costs. Not to say that they would fool themselves that it is impossible. Maybe a parent squirrel would jump into a knowingly painful situation in order to save its young. But in general, if they can avoid physical pain, they do. Now, I wanted to emphasize the fact that people in their elder years can still be in this state simply to show that there are many people who, in very clever and sometimes subtle fashions, are still avoiding physical pain as if it were the worst thing in the world. And what are they doing? They're going to the doctor for the simplest and sometimes merely imaginary ailments that they're suffering. They're accepting pharmaceutical drugs until they're taking 50 a day or something you know, ridiculous like that, merely for the avoidance, but not the solving of whatever physical ailments they are suffering that may cause them anything from mere discomfort to pain. Another way of looking at this is avoiding circumstances that are being requested, or sorry, not circumstances, but responsibilities or requests that are being made towards you that may cause physical pain, or in fact are very well known to bring a level of physical pain. Perhaps your child wants to go to a theme park, but you know because of the ache in your hips or knees or something like that, that if you do do so, you're going to experience physical pain. So you decide not to. This kind of a level of living, if you will, or level of a relationship with pain is, very, again, very understandable and even respectable in an infant or a toddler, but it's quite sad to see it at the level of an adult. Because what they are essentially doing or what they are essentially believing, at least in the frame of looking at their actions, is, again, that physical pain is the worst possible thing. That they must avoid it, at all, avoid it at all costs. They seem to believe that every kind of pain is instantly a signal of something bad, something detrimental, something that might even kill them, or something evil. It smacks of a being, an individual a mammal, if you will, that really just desires survival and not much more. They don't really think through the philosophical implications that I just spoke of. They're really just responding to pain any time as something that must be avoided lest they perish. And when you see that in a human being thinking about the pharmaceutical doctor visiting every week kind of adult or even elderly person, what you see very quickly is that a person in that kind of a state has actually killed themselves gradually, slowly, miserably, through the very act of, quote, avoiding physical pain. And the reason being is that they are not willing to 
seek after the core issue and solve it. Why? Because again, that solving itself will cause discomfort and even sometimes pain. And depending on how deep it's gone, it will absolutely cause pain, which they are not willing to endure in order to mend. And this is a point that I wanted to get to because I could see myself uh, or I could see those listening easily coming to me and suggesting, oh, so are you saying that we should specifically seek out pain? Which, of course, I've said nothing of the kind. One of my favorite phrases from one of my teachers is that suffering is merely the result of avoiding legitimate pain. It's not exactly how he puts it, but that more or less is the point. If we avoid legitimate pain, and what is legitimate pain? Well, I just gave an illustration of it. If we need to mend something that has gone wrong in our physical bodies, very often that will cause discomfort and pain. That is a legitimate pain. Avoiding that legitimate pain through things like pharmaceuticals or what have you. And by the way, I don't have a specific issue with pharmaceuticals in this area. Sometimes they are helpful in bridging gaps and getting through things. My problem with pharmaceutical medication is that they very rarely have anything to do with actually solving the physical ailment that one is dealing with. And as far as psychological ailments, the history is even worse. In other words, people have gotten, or uh, the population has gotten steadily worse since mental pharmaceuticals have been introduced. But that's something you can research on your own time. Anyways, the avoidance of the legitimate pain that may be necessary for mending, for healing in this kind of a circumstance, leads to the ongoing suffering of the underlying issue remaining. And if it does come into relationship circumstances like I mentioned just a moment ago where say one's children is at our, one's child is asking to go to a theme park if you avoid it simply because it will cause you physical pain and you know it then what you are doing is causing the suffering of the damage with your in your relationship with your child or what have you maybe your friend so suffering results from you not being willing to face pain Now, there's something that I want to address a number of times as I, as I go through this, and this can serve as a good introductory point to this. There is another aspect of wanting to avoid physical pain, especially intense physical pain, which is a sort of emotional pain. And this can bridge our gap into the next level. Willingly facing or accidentally facing pain that is very intense also has shame around it, embarrassment. I myself have certainly endured this. There was one time where I fell down a mountain after getting hit by a literal boulder, miraculously, in my opinion, not breaking a single bone, but, but bringing me a great deal of lacerations and abrasions and an immense amount of pain. And from my childhood, I'm not sure if this is still a part of me, but since my childhood, if I face a level of pain that I cannot personally endure in that moment, I simply start screaming and cry, crying and screaming simultaneously and to my best knowledge uncontrollably I haven't been able to stop it when I reach this threshold and I just keep screaming and crying every breath I can possibly take until something in me is satisfied. 
It's humiliating. It's absolutely shameful to me, particularly because sometimes I've got people right around me and they can't stop me. I can't stop me. And all I really have to do is get it out of my system. Amazingly enough, last time, the last time it occurred, I was at least able to get that, those words out of my gob before I took another breath and continued my screaming and crying. I just have to get it out of my system. I personally have never had a very great relationship with pain except in the sense that I am willing to endure it when it comes. Whether that's an aspect of my character or, character or just something that was kind of put in me by God himself, I don't really know. But <laughs> I, like anybody else, don't really crave pain. I don't want it. I want to avoid it at all costs. And for this one reason as well, I don't want to have that shame. But this is one of the things that if we are not, this is one of the struggles, one of the fights, that if we are unwilling to face it, if we are unwilling to win that particular battle, the battle of not wanting to face the shame and embarrassment that may come when we face great pain and discomfort, then we are going to be causing ourselves suffering because we will avoid the pain. And the reason why I want to emphasize, emphasize this point will come clearer as we go into the second level of our relationship with pain. So maybe we've advanced beyond the level of wanting just to avoid physical pain, and we're willing to endure it if it must come. But then there's the next level that we have already mentioned, or that I have already mentioned, emotional pain. This one is much, much more challenging. And there is a great number of people in their adult years and even their elderly years who have not learned this one. In fact, there's almost a reverse problem here that if you have not learned to face emotional pain in your older and older years, the problem, in fact, becomes more ingrained and rock solid. And the reason for that, by the way, is moral. So, how... What does it look like when people are trying to avoid, to the best of their ability, all emotional pain? This one goes pretty deep. What causes us emotional pain? Well, if we're going to talk theologically, philosophically, philosophically or even politically, one thing that can cause emotional pain is facing ideas that we don't want to face. If it's a political concept that we find very uncomfortable, anytime somebody brings up a conversation around a political idea we don't want to believe, and we're not at that level of being willing to face emotional pain, we're going to try to shut down that conversation. Or maybe we faced emotional pain through our upbringing, and, well, endured would be the better word there. We didn't face it. We haven't quite processed it, but we did endure it. Any kind of conversation, any kind of circumstance that brings up that past emotional pain, we are going to try to shut it down. Of course. Emotional pain 
is a lot easier, in my opinion, to consider evil. And one of the reasons for that is because we face emotional pain when we err. When we have made a poor decision, particularly in the area of emotional pain, this phrase holds true. Legitimate pleasure is paid for ahead of time, and illegitimate pleasure is paid for after the fact. If we have chosen illegitimate pleasures, if we've chosen to accept paths in our lives that we mostly just wanted for the comfort of the moment, but it wasn't actually morally good, a lot of people accept jobs through this, a lot of people accept friendships through this, and a lot of people accept marriage through this kind of motive. We're going to pay for it after the fact. And why is that? The reason is that illegitimate pleasure always gives us a reward up front. It's going to give us the goods right now. It might be money, it might be pleasure, it might be... And money, the, the increase of money, of course, gives us pleasure. It might be the exertion of our anger. I see this in kids a lot. I have a few nephews and a niece. They may exert their anger in the moment, which gives them the euphoric experience of at least exerting out their anger. But of course, in the course of doing so, they have damaged the relationship with the other children to whom they are expressing their anger. In the moment, it gives them the euphoria of expressing, of offloading their discomfort and their anger. Afterwards, they pay the price of the relationship damaged. See, the reason why it is so much easier for us to consider emotional pain to be evil is because to unveil our true emotional pain, when that pain came in the first place from a poor decision we made, we may have to reveal our sin. And so really, if you consider it in this sense, and if I am correct, and I think I am, then the real reason why we consider emotional pain to be evil is because we're not noticing the simple succession of events. The pain is not evil. The action that brought it about was. And it just so happens, in many cases, to be our own. Or perhaps it was your parents' who caused the emotional pain. Now, of course, for you, you probably experienced that emotional pain, at least in the moment, right then. And it was your parents looking for the euphoria or for whatever sort of relief or the avoidance of their own emotional pain or physical pain that brought them to commit the action that gave you emotional pain. But here's the problem. They're your parents. Or maybe some other sort of elder or teacher. They exerted their evil act towards you, and their evil act was probably the avoidance of their pain, taking the avoidance of their pain over your good, causing you that discomfort, causing you that pain. But for you to go back and admit that they did evil will additionally bring back up for you that emotional pain and the possibility of having to face that authority, parent, whatever, whoever, who caused it in the first place, and you don't want to do that, and that additionally will cause you emotional pain, and possibly even physical pain. 
you don't want to do that. So it's a lot easier for you to believe in your heart of hearts that this is all evil and you mustn't touch it. This is also how a lot of religious groups gives the, get themselves caught up and trapped in this kind of corruption. Because in reality, they just don't want to face the discomfort. But what they really don't want to do, what they deep down won't even admit to themselves that they don't want to do, is face the evil. Why? Because it will cause them even more pain and discomfort. They may even have to change up their entire church organization. They may have to cancel. They may have to take it apart outright in order to pay the price that they know they will have to pay in revealing that corruption. These are all prices that we very seldom are going to, or very few of us, and very only through very hard, very difficult decisions are going to be willing to pay. But again, it is that price for illegitimate pleasure that we're just continuing to stack up and stack up and stack up. We're paying it either way. Because, of course, the problems only continue to fester. The abuse only continues to exist in our lives until we're willing to deal with it. The only way out is to pay the full price in unveiling, unearthing, these skeletons that we've buried, that we've thrown into the closet and closed the door never to open again, or at least so we thought. To actually pay it and to get rid of the growing corruption, we have to open the door, we have to unearth whatever it is that we buried. So what I would say to a person who has risen to the level but not beyond of being unwilling to face emotional pain is, congratulations, you've risen to the level of selfishness. The first level, you've only risen to the level of a mammal. The second level, you've risen to the level of being selfish. Now, that's not to say that all of your actions are selfish. It's just that when it comes to anything that is really of depth of depth uh, has depth of importance, you're going to make the choice of selfishness. Why? Because you're trying to avoid all of the layers of pain and discomfort that are hiding within, unveiling the corruption. Whatever it was that started you on this path, whatever it was that gave you the first experience of emotional pain that now you are striving to avoid. Now, I don't wish to appear as if I'm looking down on people who are in this state. It's a very understandable kind of choice to make. The price is very high, and it is difficult. I myself have had to do it. I've talked about it before, though not in great detail, I don't think. But I've had to do it, and it is a heavy price. Even if what you've done is not very bad, which mine wasn't, it's still hurts deeply, deeper than anything I've ever known, by the way. Because most of the time, if not always, something moral has to do with the source of your pain and the source of your unwillingness to unveil it. And I don't mean to say, again, I said that not everything you do is selfish, if you're at this level, not everything you do is immoral either. You can do very moral things. There are people that have, who are in the church and committed to church activities, to doing very moral, very good things, who are at the level 
of wanting, or sorry, who are at this level of refusing to face emotional pain. They're doing very good things, but when the rubber meets the road, when it comes down to private, quote-unquote, secret things that really shouldn't be secret, they will choose selfishness. They will choose to sweep it under the rug. They will choose to avoid it. And this, by the way, to me, is one of the biggest reasons why we have so much hypocrisy in church organizations. They see themselves as behaving morally, but really what they're doing is maintaining a good appearance. This probably is the biggest hypocrisy that I have seen in religious groups in general. They want merely to continue to appear to be the right kind of people, and they won't admit that to themselves, of course. And the real reason for that is because in order to be actually fully moral, even in the most important and deep and painful areas, they would have to face emotional pain. So, of course, the third and final level of relationship of our relationship with pain is being willing to face every legitimate pain we must face. It's not seeking out pain. It's not just accepting every optional, possibly avoidable pain that we could possibly avoid. Avoidable pain, I think, should still be at least attempted to be avoided, but if you're at the level of being willing to face every legitimate pain, if it comes nonetheless, you'll accept it. It's not, woe is me, I deserve this pain because I've done so many bad things. That's another kind of being stuck. And really, you're just avoiding another kind of pain if you're in that state. You're avoiding the pain of your full guilt. Or maybe it's not your full guilt. Maybe it's the pain of the truth. Some people, people, for example, blame themselves wrongly for the cost paid by somebody else, maybe death. What they're really avoiding is the truth of what actually caused whatever it was that happened. They don't want to face that. And why is that? Well, maybe the cause of the death is something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Maybe it was environmental. Maybe it was merely circumstantial. And it's a lot easier to take that if you believe that somebody is at fault, namely yourself. Anyway, I don't want to go back into the layer that I've already talked about. But if we are at the level of being willing to accept every legitimate pain, then what we have really come to is courage. What we've come to is selflessness. What we've come to is not the abandonment of the self, because again, as I just said, that is another kind of avoiding pain. What we've come to is being willing to embrace truth, even when it hurts. Truth is not necessarily always comforting. Truth is not necessarily always what we want to hear. In fact, it very often isn't. Truth brings the greatest pain specifically to those people who want to avoid it, who want to avoid not the truth, but want to avoid pain. So, of course, they avoid it. Of course, what they are really avoiding is the truth. 
if you're willing to be in the truth, if you are willing to admit the truth at every turn. And I don't mean that every that people who are at this level always do this perfectly. Of course not. It's still a tough battle. But if you're willing to accept that pain is not bad or evil in and of itself, then you'll be willing to accept the truth even when it brings pain. Now, this whole podcast is not... Uh, podcast episode is not meant to try again, as I've said before, to give a whole dissertation on our relationship with pain, but just to give an overview of what I've been thinking about it, how I've been thinking about it. There are these three levels, and I'm sorry I kind of forgot that earlier point that I was making when I decided to pivot to the three points. I think I explained it as I was going through the three levels. Um, but if I forgot, I'll probably make it into another podcast. But the main point that I want to get out here, and the main thing that I've been continuously bringing up, is to point out that not only is pain not evil, pain may be necessary. In fact, pain is necessary. It may be necessary in each individual circumstance and experience. It is necessary in life. Those who are willing to endure pain are those who mature and grow up. They grow out of be merely being animalistic, and they grow out of merely being selfish, and in that way, immoral. If we want to express ourselves in the fullness of free will, in other words, to be able to choose moral things in essentially every circumstance, we have no choice but to be willing to accept legitimate pains. Because they will be brought about. They'll be brought about because we will have to oppose people who are very evil and corrupt, and they will hurt us as a result of bringing the truth and morality. If we remain, on the other hand, at the level of avoiding pain and considering it evil, what we are really doing is we are allowing something that is not even evil to control us. We have given up our free will. We have essentially decided that we will act even selfishly and immorally and merely as an animal who wishes to survive, provided pain is threatened. So, what I really mean to say is that our wrestling with pain and how we will decide to deal with it, whether to avoid it or to embrace it when it is legitimate and unavoidable, is the decision between being an animal and being a human being. A full-fledged, free will, morally choosing human being. And personally, I don't see any way around it. That's all I have for today. Have a good one.